Hello, this is Mary Lindo. I am so pleased that you are joining me for this week's teaching podcast. This podcast is prayerfully created each week with the intention of giving you a time of resting in the Lord and for allowing Him to speak into your life through three to five minute messages and prophetic impressions and insights. Each message is meant to assist you in cultivating your love for the Word of God, combined with the power of His Holy Spirit, confirming His words over your life. Gather your Bible and a cup of coffee or tea, and take a few minutes each week to sit back and allow the peace of God to wash over you as you enjoy soft background music that inspires a restful time of worship and tender moments with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now, let's begin this week's podcast. This podcast was recorded in St. Louis, Missouri during the Winter Prophetic Conference, and it was such a precious time. The Lord had prepared a message and shared a specific scripture with me. And when I went to deliver it, the pastor had had a dream the night before, Pastor Harry Schroeder. And in the dream, he was singing and playing the guitar to me. Little did Harry know that the scripture verse that he was singing in the dream was the scripture verse the Lord had given me to teach on for this conference session. And I'm going to share with you that Harry did sing the song that Sunday morning before he knew my message. And so that is the beginning of this podcast. You're going to enjoy what the Lord has to say and sing. And I encourage you to let that song wash over you. Let him sing over you and prepare your heart for the message. The title of this podcast is Hanging On for Dear Life. The Lord is the friend of those who are in despair. Let's go ahead and go into that meeting now. Uh, I am not a dreamer. And... uh... I won't even tell you that. Mary, I'd like to sing to you this morning. And uh, it is so weird. So just, like, bear with me, all right? Would you, when I get done, when you're like, a not, when you like hate me, just don't tell me. Mary, I shared part of this with you last night. And I'm trying to get something to vanish on my phone so I can read all this. It's a song of redemption, a song of grace. It's a song of belonging. I want to hold your faith. It's a song of redemption. It's a song of grace. It's a song of belonging. Want to hold your faith? I know your desires, I know your pain, I know your hunger that you'll go again to sing a song of redemption, a song of grace. 
I felt like the Lord was just saying that, that the things that you bring to his people is about that. It's about redemption, his abundant grace. And, and yet, the Lord wants you to know that you actually belong, that you belong in many places, and this is a place you belong. And yet, obviously, you belong to him. And, uh, but that thing I felt so strongly in my heart is that the Lord wants to have that intimate face-to-face time with you. He wants to hold your face in his hands speak those loving, longing things to you. God bless you. Mary's going to come speak to us now. Well, if you know Harry, that is probably one of the hardest things in the world for someone like Harry to do. And um, what I love is when the Lord prepares a word, prepares a message, and then he sings it to you. And I do not understand the mind of God. I just don't. And I can't absorb all that comes in so many angles and so many, as Vic said, facets. And, you know, it's very hard to be sitting where I sit on meetings like this and to sit up here and watch all the things you long for again for your shattered city. Because our city has been infiltrated. Our state has been infiltrated with passivity and a Rocky Mountain high. And it's gotten to be to the point where it's, we worship ease. And so those that labor in the fields labor harder than those that sit around gleaning from the leftovers that they labor for. And so I'm going to share with you somewhat a little bit about prophetic delays. And it's basically the title, I guess, of what we could call what the Lord gave me this morning is called Hanging On for Dear Life. And I would like to have had some flowery book title for this one, you know, Hanging in the Midst of the Despair of the Pit, Yet God Comes or something, you know. But it's just raw. It's where we are, hanging on for dear life, for what God has promised to bring, what he's promised to do. How long, oh Lord, how long, some of us cry out. I believe most of the body of Christ is crying out. And we're beginning to come out of atrophy in certain places and move into a more fluid way. But we're fully aware of a limp that has taken place in the body of Christ. And let me say a word to you young ones that I'm going to say, you know, starting at about 70 on down. Follow 
the man or the woman with a slight limp. Because if there's a strut and an awesome coolness and a know about it all and I've got it, I've got the word from God and I'm the only one walking in the prototype right now. Run, because you will be enslaved to one man's vision or one woman's vision and you will become a minion and really it's called despicable me to the Lord. It's despicable to him. For Harry to have done that, these are the acts of awkward obedience that the Lord is asking of all of us right now. I had an act of awkward obedience this morning. As I was standing here, the Lord said, Bill, Bill, your buddy over there, he's got something to say to you. He's just waiting for the right time. The Lord goes, are you vulnerable enough to receive it? And I said, yes, Lord, I'm willing. But, you know, this is kind of during the service, and I'm the speaker, and I don't want to disturb the moment and walk across in front of everyone. And so I walked over, and I said, I'm in a vulnerable place, Bill. Are you ready to speak to me? And he did. And it's very confirming. And then Harry sings this song. So you see, it's the body risking and vulnerability. And so I'm going to move into the message so you understand why the Lord had this sung for me, but it is also for all of you. When a prophetic song is sung or a song or a melody given to someone, it's usually to splash out on all of us. There's an element of it for all of us. In Song of Solomon, verse 215, and I take an amplified version of this one. So I went with him, and when we were climbing the rocky steps up the hillside, my beloved shepherd said to me, Oh, my dove, while you are there, in the seclusion of the clefts, in the solid rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Now, how did the Lord know to give Harry a song on an iPhone and that I'd prepared this message well, probably about four or five days ago and he kept bringing me back to this word because the Lord wanted me to hear it to be confirmed that he's speaking to me and that it is applied as well to the body this message part the first part I'm going to share is from some materials of a woman I highly highly honor in the Lord and this message is dedicated to those who are on a journey to discover the richness of the voice of the Creator and the voice of the Creator that has been put in them because we don't think we hear from the Lord as much as we do. And so we wait for the prophet, we wait for the teacher, we wait for the evangelist, the, the apostle, the teacher, all these individuals to come and minister to us, which is right and in orderly. But he's developing in each of you giftings and callings and the ability to hear. Hopefully what we teach helps you to learn to hear and you pass it on to another generation. Tell the stories to your children and their children's children. Hear him say to you, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. And there's where the crux of the problem is. We don't think our faces are lovely in front of the Lord. We hope he looks past the, the sadness or the grief or the tension, the aging. I'm starting my message with a few references from a portion of the book, Free to Be You, Living from your God-given design. All of us have dreams in our hearts that seem too wild or unachievable. And to pursue them could mean great gain, but it could also mean great loss and pain, right? So, much like a rushing river whose power cannot be fully harnessed, we build walls 
to contain that rushing river. Often without even knowing we are building them. And we go through life bumping up against things like the expectations of others, fear and rejection that lead us to quietly start laying bricks. Just a few at a time until one day we wake up and we realize we have walled ourselves off from our own heart. We are no longer living out our true selves. But like all walls built by man to contain what they cannot control, the levee breaks and the wall crumbles. The creator, the loving artist who was so intricately involved in knitting you and I together in your mother's womb is longing for you and I to discover the masterpiece of you. And he desires for you to discover the joy of living out of everything he has put in your life and for godliness. And the journey is going to require us to take the time to take an honest look at our stories. And it's going to require peeling back some layers to get beyond what you do to why you do what you do. True freedom is waiting when you cease striving to fit into everyone's box or everyone else's box or stop trying to make everyone fit into your box for them and become exactly who God designed you to be, a one-of-a-kind masterpiece of art. The people around us, they shape us. How has that affected you? How would you be different if you were assured of complete freedom and affirmation to be who you really were? And to answer these questions, we have to look at a few levels, such as your family, your friends, your church, and community. Levels of expectations, behaviors that we have learned either by force or in order to please others, and what we've been taught to value. Under all these layers of expectation, there lies the true you. The master artist knew the precise colors, tones, and brush strokes he wanted to use when he painted the canvas of you. And some of us have allowed others to paint over that creation with their own agenda of who they need us to be. Now that struck a chord. Let's say that again. Some of us have allowed others to paint over that creation with their own agenda of who they needed us to be. Vivid colors have been dampened and hidden. But here's the glorious news. The original canvas is still there. And God delights to strip away all that was not in his plan. And he wants to restore the beauty of you. The beauty of me. The master artist smiled on the day that you were created and he does dance and rejoices over you with singing. The scripture says that the Lord your God in the midst of you. What is what? Mighty. He will sing. He will rejoice over you. We will rest in his love while he will dance over us, rejoice over us with singing. The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. How does he dance over me? How embarrassing is God dancing over me? It's not like he's floating around in twirling, swirling robes above my head. No, he's kicking his heels up going, look at my girl. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. Woohoo! When I see my grandbabies and when I see my sons and they're up there doing manly, godly things and being who they are, 
just want to kick up my heels and go, yeah, look at him go. You know, uh, last week I was stripping some sheets off my granddaughter's little baby crib bed thing. She's two and a half. She's just now starting to fit into about 12, 13-month clothes. She's a tiny little girl. She wasn't premature, but her mommy's only five foot tall. So she is a little spitfire, and she talks like, you know, a 20-year-old. She's standing there in the bedroom and talking away and telling me about the little owl on her dresser. And I'm stripping sheets, and I would pull the blinds up to open up some fresh air to come in. And uh, the fabric fibers of the dust flew and caught the light. And she said, oh, Grandma, look at, look at all the bumblebees. <laughs> and you know what? I wanted to kick up my heels and, oh, my gosh, I've just melted like butter in a warm pan. Well, that's how the Lord looks at us when we say something precious to him. So those things, that, that beauty of you, that was the beauty of little Presley. That little imagination that saw bumblebees. And he dances and rejoices over us with singing, wooing, wanting us to join him on a wild voyage of discovery. Can I tell you, when you submit all, when you go all the way, when you fit right into that, that rushing, crazy, wild ride with him, that the discoveries you will find and mine with him there's nothing like it, and you never get tired of it. In fact, you become to the point where you can't wait to wake up the next morning and say, what will be the discovery? So the question from the Lord this morning is, will we accept his invitation? Are you ready to take an honest look at your own life to discover your true heart, not be shamed and not be humiliated, but to finally take a look at our own heart? Imagine this, there you are, struggling and hanging on for dear life, trying to find a toe hold or a finger hold to grip and hang on to on a steep climb. The sun is beating down on you and your ropes are fraying. And life is seemingly getting harder. The world around you is swirling and shouting out bad news about terrorist plots and e Ebola outbreaks everywhere. Your job is not producing any sense of delight. There are fights in the family, fights in the church. You're tired, you're thirsty, you're beat down and afraid, and you don't dare look down for fear of falling or perhaps giving into gravitational pull and just letting go. Well, I'm not afraid to tell you I've been there. So you're hanging on the rocks. This picture is a picture of someone like, oh my gosh, how do I get up and I don't dare look down? You're, you're hanging on this rock, weakened. Your fingers are blistered. God, where are you? Help me make it to what you, what do you want? I love you. I love you. I'm here. I love you. I'm doing all I know to do to be where you want me to be. How many are there? I think most of us are. We've got some good spots, some sweet spots with the Lord every now and then. But we're all still on this journey of desperation to know what is it that you want now, Lord? You're sweaty, you're exhausted, and you feel as if you have little to offer because you're, more, you're worn out. You've got everything going in so many directions. You have no more you can give. You're just holding on. And then the voice of the one 
climbing not too far away from you, dares to say, oh, my dear, while you're hanging there in the clefts and toeholds of these rocks, let me give you a bit of shade and shelter here under a cliff. Turn, let me see your sweaty, grimy, grimacing face. Let me look at you. Let me hear your voice. I want you to talk to me. Well, you see, your voice is sweet to me. And your face is so lovely right now as you hang there. <laughs> and part of us incredulously say, you have got to be kidding. And he's saying, look, my darling, my dear, my precious man, my mighty one, my sweet, dear girl, let me see your face. Let me look at you. Let me hear your voice. I want you to talk to me. And usually it's, Lord, I need you to talk to me. Speak, oh God, speak. Let me hear your voice. And he's saying, no, I want to hear your voice. My voice right now on the toeholds of life and my frayed ropes, one which I would probably come out of my mouth would be nothing more than a bunch of anger and disappointment and poison and stress and loss and grief and disillusionment. Life didn't go where I thought it would. I'm still working through stuff with whoever. My boss is absolutely a micromanager and exhausting me and beating me down. My children have just kind of gone off into this new world of, of um, entitlement. Or my mom and dad are still trying to be hipsters at 65. And you're asking me to talk to you because you want to hear my voice? You've got to be kidding me. And yet he says, yes, because I've got you in a place where I want you to know you keep thinking you're climbing this wall all by yourself. I'm right there. I just want to look at you. Stunned as these words are coming to you during this desperate attempt to climb to higher ground and to at least find rest and safety, you're shocked and doubtful and almost angry. You've got to be joking, Lord. Now, here, and basically we say to the Lord, look, I'm a desperate, weary, exhausted mess. And this is the honest cry of a person who is in the midst of adversity that threatens to sweep them away. You see, the reason for brokenheartedness and the reasons for brokenheartedness are more numerous than I have time to spend or address today. But my intention is to show you that the Lord is the friend of those in despair. The Lord is your refuge during this time and do not be misled into believing another human can address the healing needs of your soul. You can receive good counsel, but it's usually going to come from people who are listening closely to your pain like the Lord would. But they're going to have to hear your voice. They're going to have to see your, faces, your face expression, the real you. Not, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable when you're desperate and hurting. But it is the place where the Father can speak clearly because he's ready to speak if we will speak to him first, to our beloved the Lord can see the extent of the damage that has been done to you, and only he can truly heal your broken heart. 
So we need to continue uh, to speak out loud to this companion on the cliff. Bring him to your wailings and your suffering. And I suggest you do it verbally in the privacy of your own room or a place you go to pray. Many people are fearful of letting God see all that is going on within them as they wrestle and hurt. They think that God doesn't want to hear their moaning and that God will not understand their pain, the distance in their marriage, the we've learned to get along, but we don't talk about the stuff that really irks me about you. So I shut off my intimacy and my emotional intimacy and my secret longings and desires with you because I'm afraid of blowback or I'm afraid of nagging or I'm afraid of super spiritual jargon or someone breaking out in tongues over you when you're sharing vulnerability. See, that is all cloaking devices people use in marriages and in relationships. We get so uber spiritual sometimes and gooey and start ramrodding the word at each other or ramrodding scriptural platitudes that we forget that raw human emotion is what God put in us. But we have to be careful that in that raw human emotion we don't unload on people everything we've been wounded by other people with on one target. That's why the Lord gets us up on the side of the cliff of the rock sometimes alone with him in our desperate place with only one finger hold. And then he goes, but he does that because he wants us to realize we cannot see and hear him until we're willing to first be vulnerable and speak to him face to face. People fear that to allow God to see all the emotions churning within them would cause God to be angry with them. They might look ugly in their current desperate state, that they are wretched unbelievers. And he says, is this you and I today? Be not afraid to let me see you, to let me hear your voice, your prayers, your praises, your hopes, your sorrows, for sweet is your voice to me. You are perfection in my eyes. Many of you are saying, I cannot believe that be true. And then at the hardest place where you are sweaty, barely able to hold on much longer, Jesus relieves us from such discouraging thoughts. And in the holes of a craggy and broken rock area, which resembles stairs, he, the one climbing along with us, speaks and climbing alone with us. And he says, let me see you face to face. Don't be afraid or ashamed to look at me. Come boldly into my presence and let me know you and you me. Sweet is your voice and your face is comely. No, it doesn't say homely. We don't know what the word comely means. I was like, what did he say? I'm I'm homely? Your face is lovely. You are as an individual person. You are accepted by me and you, you are pleasant in my sight. Now, I can see some of you checking out going, I I, I don't buy this, not buying. I need a word from the Lord. That's what's going to move me today. I need someone to speak a song or a word that is so penetrating, so personal, so real, right down to where I'm living. Then I'll know God loves me. And he's saying to you, it's not going to make a difference what I say to you through that right now until you talk to me and tell me what's really going on. It's just another thing for you to file away till you finally get what you think you want from me. How many of you have had word after word after word after word after word? And you just wait for it to come to pass. But that place where you have to talk to him and say, oh, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. 
And Lord, I'm the last person you'd ever want to do this with. Let me tell you all the stuff that I'm so weak at. And how precious you are. But Lord, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm not worth it. I'm not, I, I've been broken. I had terrible parents. I had terrible brothers or sisters. Or I have a terrible boss and I was terrible back to him. I had a pastor that shattered the church six ways from Sunday and everybody's broken and everybody's bitter and nobody's going back to church. They can't handle church anymore. And Lord, I got in the middle of all of it. And the Lord goes, yeah, well, I was there with you. I want to use you. I want to use you as a restorer of the broken, a restorer of the breach, a repairer of those things that have been torn down and damaged. You know, I know we don't really see him fully and really uh, as he really is in all, all things all the time. And there are times we'd rather run from him than run to him. How many have ever felt that way? I just can't take anymore, Lord. I just... I'm just going to sit here and listen to some Hillsong tunes and check out and worship you, but I don't want to talk to you. And I think there are times I see him um, in my mind as him pointing his finger at my sins rather than standing with open arms in love. You do, Mary, and you sing those lovely songs, and it just seems like you have this walk with the Lord. I do. I am privileged to know him and love him and be with him and have intimate relationship and talk with him. But he doesn't talk to me through this so I can sit there and sing to myself all day long wonderful prophetic songs that's a gifting flowing through a natural gift supernaturally I still have to get on my face in our guest room is my place to hang out and I lay on the carpet sometimes just a wreck a wreck to be desperate for him means that we would have to face our brokenness to see and admit our need for healing and we would have to admit we are in need. We have to admit we've gotten off course, that we're hanging on a rocky place and we are getting scared and weary of exhaustion. And we are all these things, aren't we? We do need Jesus. And of course we will be reminded often by others who are masking pain and doubt that desperation is not attractive. You know, you get around desperate people and like, oh, and we use the term now, they're so needy. <laughs> well, there's a lot of needy people in the world, aren't there? But desperation's not attractive. We have to remember, you know, that when we're desperate, desperate people aren't pretty. But this is who Jesus came for. Oh, let's all take a sigh of relief right there. He came for those who could acknowledge that they can't do life well on their own. For those who are empty and want the fullness that Jesus offers. And we must relinquish our unattractiveness and ugliness and be willing to run to Jesus. And it doesn't come easy either. Accepting the fact that we have bought the lies that others have spoken over us is not easy. I need to say that again. The Holy Spirit prompted me there. Accepting the fact that we have bought the lies that others have spoken over us is not easy. Because then we have to come out of our little self-made worlds and our denial and say, I was damaged and harmed by the harshness of someone else's unhealed issues. So they held me down to keep me broken until they can have control. Maybe they didn't mean it on purpose, but it happened. Do you know what it can sound like when God calls your name? Do you know what it sounds like? Can you hear the tone in which he says your name? 
Do you know what it feels like? Do you feel the brush of heaven's breath coming near your very soul? Do you feel the warmth of any of it? And as he calls out our names, he may say something different. Sometimes, many times, as a matter of fact, he reminds me, let go of the past. There's nothing there for you. Go forward. Don't pause on the road I've laid before you. And don't look back for one moment. If you could close your eyes today and hear his voice as he speaks softly, listen with your heart. Close out all the sounds, the ticking time, the screaming laundry in the dishes, the buzz of your phone, all that demanding of you and demanding that you respond. Climb up under a shaded spot under his shadow, right at his feet, and soak in his presence on purpose. Not just because it's what we charismatics do. Soaking, awesome God, soaking. Checking out, going to the cloud. But I'm not really listening to anything. I'm just checking out because I'm soaking. I'm escaping. I'm denying. I'm lying. But I look so cool. And I'm in the trend. And what's trending is cool in the church. Because I don't want to look desperate. We need to do it not by accident, too. We need to do it on purpose. Look at him face to face on purpose today. I promise you, he will meet you there. And listen to what he tells us in his word at this very moment as I read it out loud. I want you to put your name in there with me. But now, say your name, let's do it again. But now, Mary, the Lord who created and formed you says, Kevin, Gary, Bill, John, Carla, Donna, Meg, the Lord who created and formed you says, don't be afraid, for I have rescued you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. You know, there's something about when my husband says to me, and he looks at me, and that soft deer-eyed look that he gets, I always called him deer eyes when he does that. I'm like, oh, you've got deer eyes. And this crazy man, you know, they have certain things you love about your spouse, and they're the weirdest crazy things sometimes. And I'm like, what in the world? You know, we'll be laying there on the pillows talking in the morning or drinking coffee or something, and he'll go, oh, honey, you have the cutest nose holes. And I'll go look in the mirror. Like, good heavens, honey, what are you looking at? And he'll just, he just like a little puppy. You have the cutest nose. Your nose holes are so cute today. <laughs> I'm like, it's kind of like the Lord saying they're hanging on the cliff of the rock. I want to see your nose holes. What? <laughs> but it's in such love and tenderness and delight that I'm like, well, Lord, I guess. I guess he's got a thing for nose holes, you know. 
it just must be, but he's so funny. He's always said that to me. Now, don't everybody start examining my, my caverns here, okay? Just, you know, cave of the winds, whatever you want to name them, but he likes them. So, and, and I look at him and he gets this soft look in his hazily with sparks of, gr of green eyes. And I call him, oh, you've got deer eyes. You've got your deer eyes, your soft eyes. And he just kind of smiles at me. He feels good. Well, that's what it's like when he says, I have called you by name. I love your nose holes. I love your dear eyes. You are mine. Oh, that intimate thing that goes, I belong to the one. I'm owned by the one. I am in with one who gets me. And when, child, you go through these deep waters... And great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers, how many feel like they've gone through rivers of difficulty the past 10 years, the past five, the past 24 hours? How many of you have felt like it's just been rivers of difficulty? You're just kind of chugging along and boom, and you hit another big boulder and the, sh the ship falls apart and you make a raft. You're pulling along and feel like, well, praise God, I'm going to be thankful for the raft. I'm thankful for a stick to pull, pop, and you hit a barge that you didn't see coming. So now you're hanging on a log. Oh, I'm okay. I'm thankful, Lord. The Lord's like, good, let's hang out on this log together. I'm here with you. But we get scared because we're getting down to lack of resources now. And when the water's getting higher and we're getting tired from swimming in the water and we don't even have a pole anymore, and then there's a big snake, another snake on the log. What is this thing about snakes, Lord? They come to strangle the voice of the people of God from speaking. They come to bite with venom. They're usually assigned to us in vulnerable, weak times. And that snake knows your weakness. He showed up in the garden between the intimacy of Adam and Eve. And he drove away their ability to look in the face of God and to look in the face of each other. And that is the battle we fight every day as believers. And the Lord says... When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown, Kevin. You're not going to drown. This thing's not taking you under. Sheila, this thing's not taking you under. You will rise above it. You're going to rise like an axe head. I don't care if it's been thrown to the bottom of the deepest sea. The promises of God will fulfill what the promises God said. And they will rise to the surface. That's a promise you can stand on. When you walk through the fire of oppression, how many of you have felt so heavy at times? You know, people love to stir it up when someone else stirs it up. There's something in that, that spirit of, of um, chaos and mockery of the things of God that like to get in and just make it even worse just because it's exciting. It's a fire of oppression. Everything feels off. No, you don't feel safe. You don't feel like you can, you can get a handhold anywhere because you don't know if in the next moment it's all going to just blow up again. And he says, when you walk through the fire, you're going to walk through, but we think we're going to have to stay in the fire. He doesn't want burnt offerings of people. He wants the sacrifice of our hearts. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One, your Savior, will keep this truth. So let's look at this last picture. Do not be afraid, for I have rescued you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Love Jesus. 
His hand is reaching out on the handhold of the rock of the wall to each of us today. Look at him. Stop hiding our faces. Stop being afraid to be vulnerable and broken and desperate and disappointed and shattered and honestly admit, I don't know what else to do. Let him hear that. Because he loves to be with you. He loves to spend time with you. And as you do this openly and humbly, your own heart and life first will be restored. He has to restore you first before he can go to work at some of the other things that need to be restored around you. But you must listen when he calls your name. And above all, you must answer. Would you join me in prayer now? Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, the name of the one who waits for us daily to have fellowship with him and has made a way for us to have him as a mediator between him and you for us, that we are able to now come boldly to your throne, your throne of grace and mercy, and not with an attitude of superiority or demand, but boldly like a child who knows they can come to the Father and sit on his lap and talk about what they're perplexed about or upset about. Father, we just ask you to help us to hold on to the truth that you've placed before us. Lord, I ask that those that are listening and joining in prayer with me right now, that you would show them your extreme love for them, that they are not called upon to perform for acceptance or to perform for love, that you look at them and say, I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. I want to see my creation, for I have great things to do in your life. I ask that you would bring comfort and strength to those who feel like they cannot take one more discouraging day or one more bit of bad news or a bad report. Father, I ask for your kindness and your grace to wash over them and a strengthening, a force of strength to help them carry on. Lord, we just bow before you and ask that you would do a work in our hearts, that you would sharpen the edge of our ability to hear you and to act upon the requests of your heart that we might truly come up higher, climb up higher into a safe place with you and hear your voice and your instruction. We bless your name, we honor your name, and we thank you so much for Jesus. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, the teaching, and I would encourage you to go to my website, www.marylindo.com where you can find all kinds of other podcasts and resources to listen to and to grow stronger and closer to the one who loves you so much who is Jesus Christ goodbye for now